Blog Talk Radio. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 114th Congress. Mr. Speaker, two Stanford students were biking one night when they noticed a half-naked woman lying motionless behind a dumpster with a male student on top of her. When they confronted the attacker, the man took off in the darkness of the night. The Good Samaritans were able to catch the coward and knock him to the ground. The woman, just 22 years of age at the time, was being raped, and the rapist was caught in the act. When the victim regained consciousness, she was on a gurney covered with pine needles and was bleeding. Her assailant was Brock Turner, a scholarship swimmer at Stanford. Brock was found guilty of the sexual assault on three counts. His sentence, a mere six months in prison and three years probation. Because the judge said, quote, a prison would have a severe impact on him. Well, isn't that the point? Mr. Speaker, the punishment for rape should be longer than a semester in college. The defendant's dad called it a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action. Clearly, Brock is a chip off the old block and daddy will never be named father of the year. For many victims, Mr. Speaker, rape is a fate worse than death. And here's why. Because rape victims say after being raped, they die emotionally many times. And with homicide, one dies only once. After the sentencing, the brave victim read, Mr. Speaker, a 7,200-word document statement to her attacker, the rapist. And she said in part, I tried to push it out of my mind, but it was so heavy I didn't talk. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't interact with anyone. I became isolated from the ones I loved the most. After I learned about the graphic details of my own sexual assault, the news article listed his his swimming time, saying, by the way, he's a really good swimmer. I was the wounded antelope of the herd, completely alone, vulnerable, physically unable to fend for myself, and he chose me. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Make no mistake about it. You're talking, and what you heard moments ago was former Texas judge and current Congressman Lloyd Ted Poe. And I'll tell you what, you better get ready to dig in. We're talking about a legend, a champion on our nation's capital. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio kicks off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, and remotely uh, Lisa Stewart. And I'll tell you right now, folks, tonight is a special night of Spotlight on Capitol Hill, as we have had the, we will have the privilege, rather, of shining the light on someone who has made some 
strides. And I'll tell you, you don't have to wonder what Congressman Poe is talking about when he opens his mouth. He is very direct, very clear. But I'll tell you what, his uh, approach, if you will, to legislation is making a huge impact in our nation's capital, capital excuse me, and around the world. But before we get started, we want to read the disclaimer to you. We are not attorneys, and a just cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your personal legal advisors for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. And as always, we want to give a very special thank you uh, to all of our listeners in the United States and around the world for tuning in and choosing to spend a little time with us this evening. And Dennis, as we were talking earlier uh, in regards to Congressman Poe, I'll tell you, he seems to be absolutely no nonsense. Your thoughts on that? Yes, he seems very tough, and uh, you need that. Uh, in, the, in the clip prior uh, to us coming on, I tell you, he's straightforward. He's about right, and uh, if it's wrong, it needs to be treated as wrong. And, and, and we're not giving anybody bennies or, or making it easy for anyone. If you did something wrong, you need to pay for it. And that's what it seems like he's about. No, without question. William, your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, he is definitely someone that shoots straight to the point. I mean, he's not going to cut a check, you know. Uh, cut any corners, sorry for getting tongue-tied, cut any corners, but he is very direct. And like that clip, uh, you know, he definitely dealt with the issue of rape and dealt with the fact that, hey, listen, you know, rape should be dealt with more than a semester. Well, what what he's talking about is the Stanford case. The Stanford case, I'm uh, sorry. Where the gentleman really, and I I use the the word gentleman gentleman loosely, uh, raped a a young lady that was drunk, uh, passed out, if you will. Uh, and I'll tell you what, she, uh, I think legislation has passed uh, in the state where this young lady was, was raped. Uh, legislation was passed that now if you assault, people think you can't sexually assault someone that is unconscious. They've made some legislative changes to that. He speaks to that, but he speaks to it very carefully because I believe he actually spoke to fathers of rape victims, whether it's their daughters or their wives, that is a very, very serious issue, and that one of many issues uh, that we're actually dealing with and that we're actually addressing. So I think it's something that we're going to we're going to learn a lot about Congressman Paul. Uh, he deals with a a huge uh, amount of uh, of legislation. Uh, he's been in the U.S. Uh, uh, Congress, uh, I believe, since 2004. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you know, when you talk to people from Texas. Uh, there's a different thing about him. And one thing I pointed out uh, about Congressman Poe, you remember our, our late friend, Joyce Ann Brown, uh, the advocate who was locked up, sent to prison in Texas for 25 years to life. Uh, she ended up getting out, got on this, came on this show with us, got out of prison, you know, after being wrongfully convicted. I remember her mentioning uh, 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 Congressman Poe, the Judge Poe, that she thanked him for his efforts and the things that he did he had a part somewhere in there uh that was influential uh, i believe uh where uh joyce Ann brown felt a very high level of gratitude to him uh which speaks volumes and again uh he is from uh from texas so uh dennis when you talk about that uh it, it, it speaks volumes because there's not a lot of people you can look to and say okay someone made a difference in my life within the system uh, Joyce Ann Brown suffered a huge injustice, uh, even with an alibi in that store in that in that uh, time uh, where she was convicted. 
no reason she should have went to prison at all. And finding judges that do the right thing, of course, he's a congressman now, but, uh, you know, and, and I'm not bashing judges, but I'm just saying uh, in, in this 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 time, you know, the situation with judges and, and uh, corrupt prosecutors and stuff like that, you, when you hear a good story, uh, it's one that you want to definitely share. And uh, what our congressman uh, at the time, Judge uh, Poe, did for uh, for the young lady was just awesome. And I mean, it was, you know, he's about real. Uh, we, we talked about the story earlier about the uh, rape victim uh, being raped by, you know, this swimmer, this, this athlete. Uh, and he was like, no, you know, that's, it's, it doesn't matter who it is. Rape is rape. Uh, not, not because you're affluent, because you're rich, because you, you got a lot of money. No, that's not it. And he took he he took the matters into his hands and made sure people understood that no, we're not going to let him get away with this. Six months was not enough. He should have did more than six months. And then, you know, to make it look as though that the victim was not the victim, but he was the victim. And I tell you, uh, we need congressmen like this that has has experience in seeing how people how how, how people are done wrong. And, and we need to rectify it. No, absolutely the truth. And it's something that uh, on AJC Radio again tonight, you're going to learn a lot about uh, Congressman Poe. Uh, he's done a lot of things. He continues to do a lot of great things that are making a difference in the lives of a lot of people, uh, for the people of Texas, as well as uh, people all over the United States. And I think it's, it should be commended uh, on his work and on his efforts uh, that he is actually doing. It's, it's pretty uh, amazing. Uh, feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to dial into the show tonight if you see fit. The number is 319-527-6216. That's 319-527-6216. Uh, feel free to call in and be a part of the show. Any thoughts? Everybody has an opinion. We'd love to hear from you tonight as we uh, shine this very special spotlight on Capitol Hill uh, on Senator, excuse me, Congressman uh, Ted Paul. Uh, we're going to go to some current events now. I'm sure everybody uh, watched the debate uh, or heard about the debate last night. Uh, a lot of concern about the tone of the country, the division in the country, uh, divided really on some some serious stuff here. Uh, the democracy of the United States being questioned, uh, our process of democracy, uh, we've never had questioned uh, on the level that this election year has brought. Dennis, when you, let me, William, I'll keep this to you. When you see that, what is the importance of people getting out to vote? I think right now, with, with everything that we see, it's so important to let your voice be heard. And for us to show, I guess, come together as a country. You know, that's the biggest thing. Yes, there was a lot of chatter coming out of the, the debate last night. A lot of back and forth and opinions. I think uh, one of the biggest things was they were talking about the transition of power. And if, if who is ever is elected, you know, if there is going to be any kind of debate on, on the results and things like that and questioning the true transition of power. And that's something that was really, really key because if we don't properly transition power from, from one administration to the other, if we don't – what are we saying as a country? Are we just – we're just showing division? Uh, you know, we, so we have to get out and vote. We have to get out and, and let our voices be heard because the person that's going to represent us in the White House is going to do it for the next four years. They're going to drive the direction of our country. So we have to, we have to come together during this election year and stand behind whoever is going to be 
uh, be in office, you know, because if we don't, divided we will fall. So I think that's that's probably the biggest thing I think about when when I talk when you talk about getting out to vote. And right. then if you look at it too, uh, my, uh, you know, other countries are looking at us. And uh, the sad thing to say is that uh, when we looked at the debate last night, some things were said that you know you normally wouldn't hear in, in a debate uh, in the United States of America. And I understand uh, different parties. Surely we're going to have some disagreements. Uh, that's just that's just how it is. Uh, but but sometimes we got to be able to agree to disagree, and not take it so, you know, so far right uh, that 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 other countries are looking at us and saying, "Wow, if that's what it takes to become president of the United States, uh, uh, we we got some we got some things going on." But it's very important that everybody get out and vote. Whatever you do, I don't care. Don't don't make no excuse. Get out and vote, because whoever becomes president, whether you voted or not, uh, if you didn't vote, you did vote, and you didn't you, you know you didn't vote for the, the the member that you wanted to vote for. So no matter how you look at it, you got to get out there, make your voice heard, uh, get on that you know get make that vote, and, and well, pick that person that you well, would that, have. And that's critically important, Dennis. And it's very important that we everyone get out and vote regardless of what side that you're on, the, the vote is important. Uh, and it's not only important this election, it's important. Uh, every, election. Uh, every election is important that we uh, definitely get the vote out. Uh, again, feel free to dial into the show tonight, 319-527-6216. As we shine the light on Senate Congressman Ted Poe, former judge from Texas, uh, really putting the law down and really holding people accountable uh, for uh, what's going on. You're going to enjoy this show. Uh, I believe uh, uh, that Congressman Poe is, is very much uh, a delight to listen to, uh, as we've done research on him, has a lot to say. We're going to get into that. Uh, let's go to some current news right now. Uh, I just learned this. This really blew my mind here. Uh, and this was, uh, I believe, uh, October 4th. Uh, headline reads, father who repeatedly raped his 12-year-old daughter gets 60-day sentence. 60 days. Uh, this comes from the Washington Post. As the judge in the Stanford rape case we were talking about earlier learned, along with the judge in the uh, affluenza drunken driving case, the whole world is watching them. A crowd, an angry crowd, can form a matter in a matter of days of people outraged by what they consider a lenient sentence for a heinous crime. In the case of Judge McKeon, as of early morning Wednesday, almost 20,000 people had signed cha- at Change.org petition calling for his impeachment for the 60-day sentence he gave at Glasgow, Montana, man who pleaded guilty to repeatedly raping his daughter. A father repeatedly raped his 12-year-old daughter, Deputy Valley County Attorney Dylan Jensen said during an October 4th sentencing hearing. It's time to start punishing judges who let these monsters walk on our streets. Read the petition. He, he, he reaches out to the community. Prosecutors had recommended a mandatory 25-year sentence, 100 years with 75 years suspended, which is what state law calls for, what we were talking about the sentencing stuff the other day. Instead, though, Judge McKeon handed down a far lighter sentence, a 30-year suspended prison sentence, which means the man will only serve if he fails to meet the conditions of probation. 
Among those conditions which McKeon called quite rigorous was the requirement for the man to register as a sex offender. Uh, the Glasgow Courier reported he also cannot access pornography and has limited access to the Internet. In addition, the man will serve 60 days in jail. McKean gave him credit for 17 days he had already served, meaning he would only spend 43 days in jail. Judge claims that news coverage of scourge state law by failing to mention an exception to the mandatory 25-year prison sentence. According to McKean, the law allows those arrested for incest involving someone under 12 years old to avoid prison. If a psychosexual evaluation finds that the psychiatric treatment affords a better opportunity for rehabilitation of the offender and for the ultimate protection of the victim and society. Uh, Now, there's two ways to look at that. There's two ways. Is the judge out of bounds? Because it sounds like to me he's using the state law in order to enforce this type of thing. Now, I'll tell you from being wrongfully convicted, the story is is that a sexual offender, and this is a wrong position to take, can never be cured. Therefore, in the state of Colorado, people with sexual offenses get an indeterminate sentence, whether it's seven years to life, eight years to life. Whenever you hear that, you know what kind of case or what kind of case someone may be in prison for. I believe it's unjust and unconstitutional for an indeterminate sentence to be placed on anybody because I think any person is redeemable. That's, that's just my personal opinion. I think when we start saying no one can be fixed, we cross the line. That's true. Uh, that's just my opinion of it. Uh, there are advocacy groups out there that stand up against this type of sentencing as well, but it's kind of weird. Uh, I don't know the, the circumstances of the case uh, other, other than what I'm reading. Dennis. So it's, un, it's, it's we really, you can't really form an opinion. Right. You, you lean towards one way, but apparently some outrage has been sparked over it. William, your thoughts? I don't know what to think. I mean, I, I was sitting here looking puzzled as you read that because that, it, just, it just really didn't make any sense to me. I mean, you're talking about he, he pled guilty of repeated acts of rape on his own 12-year-old daughter. So, I, I mean, you know, I don't know what, I really don't even know what to say. I don't know, I really don't know what to say, man. I really well, don't. Well, the thing is, if somebody pleads guilty to a crime thinking he could have got far worse than 25 sure, years. Sure, I understand that. Uh, I think he pleaded to that with the intent that, well, and the prosecution offered that plea, put it on the table. He accepted the plea. The judge didn't accept the plea. Um, which is at the judge's discretion, goes to another whole conversation. But we want to look into that story uh, and see as it. I'm sure there. I mean, again, there are people protesting. Uh, they're saying that something is wrong here. Uh, if the gentleman uh, who committed these acts needs help, uh, it goes back to what we say all the time: Can people be helped? There's a treatment system. They're saying that he can be involved in, which is far better for this man. Uh, he will be and his life will consistently be at risk in prison not to take anything away from that 12 year old girl of what she has suffered and endured. Please make no mistake about that. Right. Uh, and our prayers and thoughts go out to her and her family as they get through this difficult time as well. Uh, it is something that 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 uh, 
Bears following. We're going to definitely be following it, and we'll give updates on this show as we know more about it. Ladies and gentlemen, an announcement right now. Next Thursday, October 27th, will be our final live show for the year of 2016. The reason for that is, as the holiday season approaches, AJC Radio and the Just Cause will be putting things together uh, as we get ready to kick off an exciting 2017 as we continue as advocates to bring the message of justice all around the world and also give a very high level of respect as families get ready for this time of year. Uh, we respect that. And uh, we'll be playing our best shows of 2016. Uh, they'll be played here. Uh, tune in if you have time during your holiday, you know, bustle, whatever's going on. Uh, feel free to tune in. And we're still available if you need to contact us for any show ideas that you may have, any topics that you think maybe would be interesting to bring to our listeners uh, around the country and around the world. So make a note of that. October 27th, live, the last live show is the holiday season. It's ready to kick in the gear. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back, and we will be kicking off. Spotlight on Capitol Hill, I'll tell you what, it doesn't get any better than this. Congressman Ted Poe from Texas will be right back on the other side of this break. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call or just calls today. 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters, our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. I stand for equality. 
I stand for individuality. I stand for peace. I stand for diversity. I stand for dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness. running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen of America, we extend a special invitation to you to join AJC Radio and our programming every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We will be addressing issues that definitely shape a nation and affect America's future. We will also be dealing with members of Congress shining the spotlight on our initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. You don't want to miss it, folks. Every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, AJC Radio makes a difference across the nation. We'll see you then. And welcome back in to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight, a very special spotlight on Capitol Hill, talking about a guy from Texas. And I'll tell you what, uh, Congressman Ted Poe Dennis, we talked about this on the, uh, the top of the show. I'll tell you what, Texas produces some pretty good folks, doesn't it? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, some pretty tough folks, too, if you really want to look at it, because uh, he seems like he's real tough. And we're going to get into him and, and, and talk about some different things that he's, he's uh, sponsoring, uh, bills he's looking at, and uh, that, that's definitely going to show people that he, he's, he's about business. No, without question. And, uh uh, we're going to get into his uh, service, his public service to the country, uh, the things. But we cannot start that without the proper introduction. Hang on to your seat, folks. Well, I'll tell you what, anything coming out of Dallas or Texas, the state of Texas has always produced some iconic figures. Ladies and gentlemen, we are excited tonight uh, to give the proper introduction to Congressman Ted Poe. Uh, Congressman from Texas, and uh, we're going to get ready to shine the spotlight on Congressman uh, Poe. And, and, and uh, Dennis, I'll tell you what, when we talk about Congressman Poe, we talk about his really uh, passion for victims' rights. We see a lot of that, don't we? Roger, hey, they dubbed him uh, the poetic justice uh, for punishment. That he, he does not, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't slack. I mean, he's if you've done something wrong and you, you, you're guilty, uh, most likely you're going to pay for being guilty. What well, says uh, here on the bench, uh, Judge, uh, con- uh, excuse me, Congressman Poe, former Judge Poe, generate, uh, garnered national media attention uh, for his creative sentencing for criminals and hard-nosed approach uh, to enforcing the law. Dubbed by the media, as Dennis, you just alluded to, poetic justice punishments. He ordered thieves to carry signs in front of stores from which they stole commanded sex offenders to place warning signs on their homes after serving jail time. 
and directed murderers to place a photo of their victims on the wall of their prison cells, reminding them of their crime. Uh, your thoughts on that, William? <laughs> I tell you, that is one of the most unique ways I've seen of uh, of sentencing. I, and, and I mean, yeah, and rightfully so, I guess. You know, he's saying, listen, you got to learn from your mistakes. And uh, this is one creative way to do that. So uh, hats off to it. No, and again, you know, whether we agree with all of the, uh, what would you say, the means, the approaches in which he does. One thing about the the difference with with Congressman Poe is different. It's not malicious. It's not a maliciousness involved with what he is asking uh, for folks to do. Now, I'll tell you what, if a youngster gets out there and steals from a store and he has his order is to walk around that store and say, I'm a thief, uh, he's probably going to think twice. Uh, as a youngster, to not do that again, I would think. And I think maybe that is, I believe that's probably where the heart of Congressman Poe was as a judge. We need to make this, and I don't believe in coming home after you've served your time to put victims, uh, to uh, have to announce or be punished further than that. Uh, that's what parole is for, to prove that I can be on paper and get my life back together. So whether that's a whole other conversation. But tonight what we're going to do is get into the legislation. Uh, victim rights. Uh, he was very vocal about the Stanford rape uh, situation where the young man received, I believe, was it six months? Six months. Uh, and he was very outraged by that and felt a need to speak out for the victim's rights. Now, if you're a victim, this and legislation was passed as a result of that, Cliff, in result, as a result of the situation uh, happening uh, in this country. And Congressman Poe is known to speak to issues that are not always easy. They're not always the favorite type of uh, uh, the most popular conversation to have. But you got to have a balance of law and order as well. But you got to have a you got to have somebody that, as a judge, he has seen quite a few things, and he has seen injustice as well as justice. Cliff, it gives him a clear perspective, I think, uh, of what he has to do in that job position. Your thoughts. Yeah, that's uh, probably likely true, you know, being a judge and, um, you know, having to hand down some uh, creative sentencing, uh, as has been pointed out, and then, uh, you know, becoming a member of Congress uh, and having to pass legislation that's, uh, you know, fair and and seen fair by everyone and, and upholds the rights of every American citizen. That's that's what he's tasked to do. So, you know, that's that's what we look to Congress to do. And uh, Congressman Poe. Uh, is nothing different than that. No, absolutely. And uh, we're going to get into, again, he, he serves on the House Committee on the Judiciary, uh, Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism, Homeland Security, Investigations, Subcommittee on Courts, Intellectual Property, the Internet, uh, House Committee on Foreign Affairs, uh, Founder and Co-Chair of the Congressional Victims' Right Caucus, uh, Founder and Co-Chair of, of Ports Opportunity Renewal Trade and Security Caucus, uh, he's involved in, in all areas, member of the, of, of the Israel Allies Caucus, uh, and also associate member for the Congressional Hispanic Conference. Uh, he's very versatile. And Cliff, I was talking, uh, we mentioned earlier that Joyce Ann Brown, who a friend of ours that passed away, uh, I believe last year, uh, mentioned that uh, Judge Poe had a role uh, in trying to get her out of prison on the wrongful conviction that she was involved in in Texas. Do you remember that story? No, I don't. Oh, yeah, but she was she was very much engaged. She was very much engaged to that, uh, which speaks volumes, as you are familiar with the with the Joyce Ann Brown story. 
right. uh, that wrongful conviction, those 25 uh, sentences, sentenced to 25 years to life, uh, if a judge took a position to defend that, uh, and that's not popular among judges, to be honest with you. He stuck out and did something that was, and she thanked, she was very grateful, her statement that she just showed great gratitude uh, to Judge Poe. And I think that that's something that we can look at, I believe, which he takes to the seat of Congress, uh, as far as that fairness that we're talking about, where whatever people want to say, whether they agree or not agree with some positions, that is something that's critical, as you said, at the seat of Congress. So we're going to get into that tonight. Uh, and I tell you what, he's been representing Texas Second Congressional uh, District in the United States House of Representatives uh, since 2005. So he's been there for quite some time. Uh, again, he was a former judge. Uh, a lot, there's a lot more to him than that. Uh, after graduating from Albine Christian University, Congressman Poe enlisted in the Air Force Reserve in a C-130 unit station at Ellington Air Force Base and earned his law degree from the University of Houston. Uh, after graduating, he accepted a position as prosecutor with the Harris County District Attorney's Office to his vast experience uh, is what he has seen. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it, it really makes you know that regardless of where people come from, there's something that has a core foundation that makes Congressman Poe who he is, William. Well, you know, as we were doing our research, one of the things that, I, that really stood out to me was the fact that it said that his grandmother had encouraged him you know, and so she encouraged him for public service. She encouraged him to reach out to the community. She encouraged him as a young boy to make his surroundings better than when he got there. And so that's what moved him into public service. That's what moved him uh, to not only serve uh, his, his country. His, his, she shared with him a love of Texas. She shared with him faith and a love of country. So he, that's where he really started for him his solid foundation in his relationship with his grandmother. And so that led him on to go, you know, to, to school, get his law degree and become a judge. And then he took it to the next level. He became a congressman. And so he realized that, you know, as a judge, I can impact Texas and I can impact those that are around me uh, by doing things like this creative sentencing and things like that to help re rehab or some kind of rehabilitation of, of those that have been convicted. Now he says, you know what, but the victims need a voice on a national level and he's willing to do that no without question that's a good thing and uh here's what i believe is more fascinating than anything uh congressman ted paul uh made the announcement that he had uh, uh attained cancer uh says that he had leukemia uh, that was on uh, july 13th of this year um you would never know it outside of his announcement because his work is untiring Congressman Post said in the statement that he intends to have a full recovery and continue in Congress. Congressman Post says he plans to spend time in Texas during the congressional recess and focus on his health. But this is not the first time we've seen a member of Congress faced with personal, again, you never know it, uh, outside of him coming out and saying, look, I need to let the American people know that I'm dealing with this. But his, his vigor, his push, and his fight never, ever uh, uh, faltered at all. And the point of that, that had to be very difficult for him. Yes, I mean, leukemia is, you know, I mean, leukemia, we've all heard of it. He said, listen, I'm going to make a full recovery, and I'm going to continue in Congress. I have a job. I have a responsibility. And there are those out, that are out there expecting me to stand up and fight for them. So, he, you know, 
you really have to take your hat, hat off to. You have to tip your hat to this man because he's truly a champion. He's standing up. He said, listen, besides my personal illness, what I'm going through, I'm not going to step aside. And that's not going to overshadow the duties that I have taken and sworn to, to uphold. Well, I think one point they, that he says, and we talk about the bipartisan uh, effort that has to be in Congress to get things done. Uh, it states here that everyone knows Congress has been in a year-long rut when it comes to productivity as far as working with the opposite side uh, of the aisle, whether it's a Republican president, a Democrat. You know, that's just the, the – that's Washington. Uh, but he states here that Republicans have resisted President Obama's policy goals and instead passed hundreds of their own only to watch Ob- President Obama either veto those ideas because, again, whether he agrees – or whatever, and then President Obama may have an idea he wants to send up, and they want to, They don't vote on it. They, they shut him down. He makes the statement, but some members are finding ways to get their ideas through Congress onto Obama's desk and signed into law. Most of these bills are non-controversial and passed easily, but the few dozen that have become law this year show just how difficult it is to find these non-controversial ideas. But Congressman Poe has been able to push those ideas and say, look, we may have a, a reputation uh, in Congress. People have a foregone conclusion of what Congress is or not, uh, what they are doing or not doing. But this speaks to the fact that I can reach across that aisle and say, look, we have to get the job done. Uh, Dennis, I think that speaks volumes ex- definitely to the point of who Congressman Poe is. Yes, you have to be able to uh, reach across the aisles. You have to be able to uh, negotiate and, uh, what, you know, put your, put your – uh, your party aside for a little while and, and, and work together to make things happen. I mean, if, if, if we only had one party, uh, it'd be a mess. I mean, because it, it would be one way, but because we have disagreements, uh, we can work through them and make some things happen. And, and that is truly a positive attribute of, uh, well, absolutely is. and I think Dennis, to your point, I think uh, the point being uh, is that you're going to have, you have to put, the best masterpieces are created with, with, the, the, with the most diverse people. Uh, and whether they agree or di- there's got to be some common ground. And we have found on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, on both sides of the aisle, people are doing things. People are, 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 are passionate about what they're doing. It's a matter of getting through some of the, the politics of things and say, look, we have to get the job done. I think that speaks volumes. Uh, Congressman Paul was remembering there were four servicemen, Dennis, I don't know if you remember this story, uh, that were killed uh, in the, in the, in the uh, Fort Hood, Texas flooding that happened uh, this past summer. Uh, he spoke about that. And uh, let's hear what he had to say about those victims. Uh, and they were veterans. Mr. Speaker, Texas has been hammered by historical torrential rain and flooding. As the Texas floodwaters rose, 12 soldiers from Fort Hood, Texas, were crossing Owl Creek in a two and a half ton light medium tactical vehicle when it became stuck in the Owl Creek low water crossing. Suddenly, the vehicle was swept over and sent downstream by fast moving water. Nine American soldiers drowned in the massive floodwaters. Today, we remember them. And here they are. Staff Sergeant Miguel Colon Vasquez, 38, from New York. He had just spent four year, four tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. Specialist Christine Armstrong, 27, of California. PFC Brandon Banner, 22, of Florida. PFC Zachary Fuller, 23, of Florida. 
Private Isaac DeLeon, 19, of Texas. He was the youngest of all of them, only been in the Army 17 months. Private Eddie Ray Lauren Gates, 20, of North Carolina, former homecoming queen. Private Tashina James, 21, of New Jersey. West Point Cadet Mitchell Winery, 21, of Indiana. And Specialist Young Men's Son, 25, of California. These are the nine that drowned recently in the Texas floods. The soldiers were members of the 3rd Battalion, 16th Field Army Regiment, 2nd Armored Brigade Combat Team of the 1st Cavalry Division. These American soldiers were volunteers that swore to protect the United States. They were cut above the rest, ready to defend freedom at home and abroad. Their lives were ripped from this world and their families all too soon. We are grateful for them and to their families for their service and their sacrifices. These soldiers are the best of America. Our thoughts and prayers are with the soldiers and their families that that have been devastated by the floods of Texas this spring. And that's just the way it is. Well, there you have it. Uh, you know what? Uh, that felt like it was well, it was at home. It was on his own front porch, if you will, uh, in Texas. And these these uh, men, Dennis, taken in a moment, in a, in a, I think Cliff alluded to a Humvee. Uh, how difficult is that? To, I mean, how bad it had must it be uh, out there? And I would presume that the reserve was out there to save lives. Yes, uh, they they were called up to assist with the you know with the flooding mm-hmm. and uh when they went out there with the humvee again it had to be very very bad humvees are designed to you know be able to negotiate some you know heights of water but i, I assume that this water was very high uh if, if it was so high that it took the lives but what's what was key about this is uh the congressman concerned uh, about the loss and, and they were veterans right? they were veterans yeah so it was about the loss, you know, them going out to risk their lives uh, to try to save others that, were, you know, that probably didn't take the order to leave. Uh, so they had to go out there and try to rescue them. And in and, and that rescue, uh, some lives were lost. Yeah. And if you look at Congressman Paul, he, he's very much involved uh, with the things that affect the American people, veterans, safety, security. Those are things that he's on, the, again, the subcommittee for Homeland Security and Terrorism. Uh, he addresses uh, he addresses those issues. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's not just about the people of Texas. If you remember, uh, Congressman Poe is one of the very vocal members of Congress when the uh, when the Stanford sexual assault case happened um, that he 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 basically I mean, he went after the judge. He went after the the. Um, the the assailant you know uh what was his name uh i I can't remember the 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 guy's name who did it but he went after him uh hugely saying that uh about the judge i mean he stood in front of congress and said and and told this told the speaker of the house is mr speaker i was a criminal court judge and prosecutor for 30 years this judge got it wrong the judge should be removed from the bench the people of california have the ability to do so and they should and uh you know 
it always speaks volumes when you have a member of Congress or another judge that really steps up and says, look, this judge did it wrong. This judge should be removed from the from the bench because that is no small undertaking to even make a statement to remove a judge. But this judge uh, in the Brock Turner case, uh, there the Stanford swimmer who basically was convicted of rape and only got the, the six months. Uh, Congressman Paul said, look, Brock Turner is is basically he's a predator. He shouldn't be given a slap on the wrist. Uh, to to basically and, and you know the judge saying that any any longer time than that would basically harshly impact uh, Brock Turner's life. Well, what about the victim? What about the victim's family, her friends? What about the victim for the rest of her life? She's going to have to deal with it. And then this guy is being told by a judge that hey, it's okay if you commit sexual assault and you 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 end up basically empowering him. And and Congressman Post said no. This judge got it wrong. Not only did he get it wrong, and should he change the sentence, but he should be take the judge should be taken off the bench. Gratefully, uh, Mr. Brock, actually, I mean, it's, it's sickening, but and disheartening, but it's also a good thing. On the other hand, is because Brock Turner basically appealed the six months, saying, "Hey, I don't even want to go that long." So he's feeling really like you know he's entitled it, that it shouldn't have even gone that harshly on him. But with his appeal. That does open it up for the court to give him uh, a harsher sentence and hopefully this time an uh, actual sentence that fits the crime that he committed. But Congressman Poe said, not on my watch. I may be in Texas. This may have happened in, in California, but I'm here to look out for all the people of America. And that speaks volumes uh, to who he is, the character of the man. Spotlight on Capitol Hill shines the light not only on the congressional work done by these members that are elected, but Again, to Cliff's point, he cares sincerely. He, as a grandfather, it states here, he said, as a grandfather, I want to know that my granddaughters are growing up in a society that has zero tolerance for this crime. Temple said that no means no. It doesn't mean you can simply do what you want to do. And he states that he was a judge, and he made this plea. What's so f- phenomenal about this, he made this plea on the, con- on the Congress floor. Right. Not in his district. He said to the American people, this is an outrage. And unless you have members of Congress that can reach out and say wrong is wrong, and we've got to address these issues, it's not always easy. And I think that's something that is definitely misunderstood by, by the American people. What is going on on Capitol Hill? What steps are being taken? What is the outcry for injustice that these members of Congress do that we simply know nothing about? Spotlight on Capitol Hill aims to change that, Dennis. You had a thought? Yeah, I was just thinking about also what, uh, you know, him getting our veterans back to work. And the reason why I went there is because of, you know, what we talked about earlier, how he's truly it, – it, it was very painful uh, to, to, to have the loss of those uh, reserve soldiers uh, in, in the flood. But he has this – what he wanted to do was make sure that uh, there's always a, a permanent work opportunity – uh, for our veterans and in doing so he kind of alleviated the tax pressures on companies that were willing uh, to, to hire our veterans and I, I think that's big because our veterans get out and, and again we talk we talk a lot about our veterans uh, you know trying to find work they can't find work and, and it's because 
you know, no one's willing to give them that try. But when you do something like that as a congressman, if you make it uh, beneficial to that small business to hire that veteran, uh, most likely they will. And I, I think that's a good thing. Well, absolutely. We congratulate Congressman Paul. States here that he as, as he announced he had been diagnosed with the leukemia. Again, speaks to the perseverance of the man. Uh, he said he had every intention of defeating cancer and continuing to serve in Congress. And after a summer of treatment, a summer, which is, amounts to what, two to three months? Congressman Poe is back in Washington for the September round of legislating. He was back there in September doing his job. And if you notice, he did all of this and outcry against this injustice with this young lady in the midst of being dealing with leukemia. Yes. What does that say to you, William? Well, it said he was actually taking a chemo pill every day. So he was actually going through, you know, treatment every day that, you know, and, and most people that know, you know, when you're dealing with chemotherapy, it, it's, it's really tearing down the system, you know, and it's trying to I mean, attack. That's, that's, but, it, but it's, it's him, him. It's him saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to let this stop me from doing my job. And that he's a true civil servant. That's what he yeah. is. Yeah. And truly, that's true servitude right well, there. When you're that. willing to, uh, regardless of your, your, your health, you know, your status, what you're going through, the pain you're feeling, you say, hey, I, got, I, I have a constituency to uh, serve. And, and I'm gonna, I, I am going to serve them. I'm going to make sure I continue to do uh, my job regardless of what's going on in my life. Well, it's critically important. If you know, again, we said earlier that Congressman Poe is connected to the people. We keep saying that. And how do we know that? The things that he takes up, the things that he feels I must address, the, they're not obligated to address human trafficking, which, which we're going to get into that with Congressman uh, Poe. That's very serious about human trafficking. He takes a moment as we at AJC Radio remember uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month this month, the lives that have been lost, the people that have died as a result of domestic violence. The congressman had something to say about the importance of remembering Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Let's see what he had to say. Mr. Speaker, as a <clears throat> former judge and prosecutor, I saw the impact of domestic violence firsthand. As co-founder of the Victims' Rights Caucus with my friend Jim Costa from California, we believe that it's important to recognize October as Domestic Violence Awareness Month. My grandmother used to always say, you never hurt someone you claim you love. Yet in 2014 alone, 132 women were killed in domestic violence-related incidences in Texas. After a history of spousal abuse, 27-year-old Candace Williams Deckard of Houston, Texas, was murdered by her husband on July 17, 2014. She had three children. Her toddler was in the room when she was murdered. Another one of her children, a seven-year-old, <clears throat> ran down the street for help. All of these children will grow up without their mother, and domestic violence, Mr. Speaker, is not a family issue. It's a national health issue, and it's a criminal justice issue. Domestic violence is a scourge on our national culture, and we must not tolerate those who would destroy a family by abuse and murder. We must protect victims. After all, Mr. Speaker, you never hurt someone you claim you love, and that's just the way it is. Well, there you have it. And you'll hear tonight, Congressman Poe is known for that statement. That's just the way that it is. 
And I'll tell you right now, when you hear Congressman Poe, we said it at the top of the show, he is concerned about victims. Who speaks for the victims in this country? It is necessary that Congress shows that type of concern. If our members of Congress become simply chess pieces of a chess game, we get nothing done. But to hear Congressman Paul get down, and Dennis, these are issues that are not easily addressed. These are the issues that are very important. Imagine, when you talk about a 27-year-old woman killed as a result of domestic violence, he goes to the floor and he brings it up again, and that a toddler witnessed the death of their mother. What does that speak to? It speaks to his commitment, uh again, to uh, his people. I mean, the, the American people. I mean, if you think about it, you know, uh, things that happen in, in homes, you know, like the domestic violence, if we don't put it on the floor, if we don't bring it to the front, if it's not addressed by our leadership, uh, it's something that can be easily uh, just lost, you know, lost in, lost in that, that little, little town or, or that community. But he said, no, I'm, gonna, I'm taking this up to Congress. I'm going to bring it out and make sure that everybody understands we have a problem and we need to fix it. Yeah, and he makes the statement on domestic violence uh, before Congress. Domestic violence is not simply a personal or family issue. Uh, said Congressman Paul, as a community, we must work together to send a clear message that domestic violence is socially unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Our society and the country must recognize the devastating effects of domestic violence and do everything to end this nightmare. As a lifelong advocate for victims, I encourage Congress to speak out against this crime, not just during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but throughout the year. I mean, this is someone, Congressman Poe, is engaged. That the, You know what? People are going to die in November from domestic violence. People will not make it to Christmas. They will not make it to 2017 because of domestic violence. And I don't know if, you know, sometimes you get the sense, but when you have, you get the sense that people just kind of, well, you know, oh, well, we'll deal with that. But when you're a father, when you're a grandfather and you have daughters, this becomes very important to you. And Congressman Post's upbringing, where he came from, as, as uh, William, you alluded to, uh, the strength of his family. Yes. This incorporates inside of a person these qualities we need on that hill. And, go ahead, William. Well, one of the things that keeps that, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, the importance of what of the spotlight on the Capitol Hill is, is bringing light to people like this that are really out there. They're fighting for us. These are not the big ticket issues, you know, that, that, are, that we hear on, you know, on the media. But these are the things that really impact us as a country. It impacts our home. It impacts our family. It impacts our way of life. And so basically he's, he's dealing with these things. He's dealing with the fact that domestic violence has a root, it has a cause, and it has an effect. And the effect that's coming out of this is, is, is somebody's child, is, is you know, a broken home, it's someone's death. It's a lot of things that are happening on the end of this, and it's not just, you know, like you were saying, just something that people hear about. This is the reality, and he's bringing a light to it. No, without question. And we're going to get into uh, his fight, uh, something known as Jane's Law. 
uh, and also the human trafficking issue. Uh, dealing with that, and also, uh, Dennis, I, I go to you on this, and we'll get into good dialogue on this. Uh, the failure of the Department of Veterans Affairs. What happened there? He's Congressman Paul is on every issue that's on the front line. You know what I mean? He's dealing with the, everything he's dealing with is how families, how people, our servicemen, our police officers, everything is affected. We're going to deal with that on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, Congressman Lloyd Ted Poe, I call him a general on our nation's capital. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. This is Julie. How may I help you? My husband and I just got in a fight, and he hit me. With one call, you don't have to be a victim anymore. These fights are getting worse. I don't know what to do. With one call, you can end the cycle of violence. We're glad you called. The first thing we want to do is to ensure your safety. With one call, you can change everything. To speak to a domestic abuse victim advocate, contact your local family advocacy program. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors.
And welcome back in to AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill. If you're wondering what's playing in the background, we're in the champion from Texas. His name is Congressman Lloyd Ted Poe. And I'll tell you what, we say all the time, they say they got the best football, the best barbecue. And we're finding tonight one of the best congressmen to occupy the seat in our nation's capital. Welcome back. I'm Lamont Banks along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams and the AJC radio team as we have dug into some good things, Dennis, in regards to Congressman Poe. Uh, I'll tell you, a congressman with a heart for the people is what we're finding here tonight. Exactly. He's, he is awesome. He's, he's really uh, about the people, not only uh, veterans. Of course, you know, that's my push. I, I love what he's doing for veterans, but uh, for all Americans. And then when we talk about uh, our, our women and uh, how he's truly making sure that uh, – no, we're not going to treat them, you know, in a way that they shouldn't be treated. We're going to make sure they're treated right. And that whatever we have to do to do it, we're going to put these people that, uh, you know, domestic violence, all this, you know, crazy stuff out there. We're, we're going to fix that. And uh, I truly uh, like what he's doing. No, absolutely. And uh, uh, we were talking a little bit about the uh, what we were going to talk about on the other side of this break was the uh, his his passion a big problem in this country, which we talked about before, which was human trafficking. Uh, that's a big, big deal. Uh, we're talking about innocent children taken uh, from their homes, snatched away, runaways uh, that are the most vulnerable in this country. Uh, very passionate about that. Uh, he states here, and I'm going to read this, uh, and he makes a statement, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, in my other life, I was a prosecutor and judge. I saw the worst of the worst criminals in my courtroom, but it wasn't until I visited the Ukraine. When I first came to Congress, I learned about the scourge of human trafficking. It is slavery. Soon I became aware that this crime wasn't just happening in far off places, but right here in the United States in our own backyards. Unfortunately, my hometown of Houston is one of the hubs for human trafficking because of its proximity to the border, major interstates, airports, and ports. As co-founder and co-chair of the Congressional Victims' Rights Caucus with my friend Jim Costa from California, I have made fighting human trafficking a priority. Human trafficking is a hidden crime. These victims are not willing participants in prostitution. These women, men, girls, and boys are being held against their will, caught in a life of drug addiction, addiction physical abuse, and sexual assault. Children cannot be prostitutes. Children cannot consent to sex. They get forced into the crime of human trafficking. They are victims, not criminals. It is estimated that at least 100,000 children are at risk for human trafficking every year in the United States. The real number of trafficking victims is unknown. Wow. I mean, that is because I believe we came across a story uh, not too long ago where a judge actually penalized a young girl who was a victim of human trafficking and sentenced her, Cliff, to time in jail as well as solitary confinement. Right. It treated her as if she was a prostitute. And the, uh, the outcry against that judge was, how can an underage child uh, be convicted for something that she, she can't even consent to? She cannot be a prostitute. She's 12 years old. How, you cannot consent to sex at 12 years old in, in any state in the union. So how do you, how do you 
uh, penalize this child for being raped. And that is the, uh, you know, the sickness of the system. And that is what Congressman Poe is going after. Like, we have to protect those who are victims of human trafficking, trafficking not prosecute them. That is, that's not the right way to go. And Congressman Poe says we're going to see to it, you know, we're going to put it in law and see to it that these things are taken care of, that this is the way you deal with human trafficking. You don't penalize the person being trafficked. You help them, give them the help that they need, uh, the support that they need. And you penalize those who are committing the actual crime. No, without question. And Congressman Poe uh, makes it clear rescuing and restoring victims must be a top priority. Trafficking victims have unique needs, different than the needs of other crime victims. They must receive specialized uh, trauma-informed care from those that understand this crime. Rescuing and restoring victims must be a top priority. Uh, they've been, they have to be, he said, and he makes the statement here that he's introduced the Justice for Victims of Trafficking Act. With Congressman Maloney, the bill will ensure funding for the rescue and restoration of trafficking victims. It will ensure specialized training and care and training for law enforcement. That's critical. These services will be paid for by fines on the perpetrators. The bad guys literally pay for the crimes they have committed. And and Congressman uh, Cole really sticks to that. He says our bill also addresses the cause of this Deed the demand, gone are the days of boys being boys. Those that buy sex from children are child abusers, not Johns. John is in the Bible, he states. He's a good guy. These criminals must be punished like the child abusers they are. They are child rapists. And I'll tell you what, when you, you, again, these are the most vulnerable of our society. May say, well, that somebody may say, well, that sounds kind of harsh until it's your daughter. That's right. That's right. That's until true. it's your little boy that gets caught up in these things. And again, every, I believe everybody is redeemable at some point. Whether they choose to be redeemable or not, that's a decision they have to make. The point of Congressman Paul is to say, and again, you have to go back to his family roots, his daughters, his granddaughters. Just sit up for a moment and imagine. My daughter was taken today by human traffickers. They found my daughter or my son brutally raped in a field somewhere. I mean, let's get real about it. Yes. So before we judge Congressman Poe for the stance, he said they're child rapists. This is not a, a right. this is not a 21 year old woman, and that would make it right. As far as when he he said they're not Johns, we know the terminology of Johns and right. prostitution. He said. They want to treat these kids like they're just like, you know, the, these are just Johns having uh, their way with prostitutes. These are children. What do we do about that? I think it speaks volumes to Congressman Poe, uh, and that's needed in the Congress. Yes. You've got to have it. Yes. We had Congressman Sensenbrenner, which we learned was part of the Amber Alert. That legislation was passed by Congressman Sensenbrenner. You know what I mean? And the Amber Alert, just have a cell phone. And no matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter. Someone has been taken. Let's save a life. Congressman Poe's position, Dennis, is the exact same thing. Yes, it is. And and I I like it when he said it's a top priority. A lot of people don't understand all the down, everything that goes with human trafficking. Uh, it, It ruins lives. I mean, it truly ruins lives. And for him to take such a stance and say, hey, 
uh, not only are we gonna we're gonna we're going after them, but we're gonna make them pay for the programs uh, to rebuild these lives that have been affected. Oh, absolutely, and it's important. But let's hear the congressman in his own words, and William, we'll get to your comment right after that. Mr. Speaker, it happened right under the entire community's nose. Eight-year-old, that's correct, eight-year-old Jen was raped, tortured, almost on a daily basis. Jen, Jen was not kidnapped by a stranger or abused by a relative. She was sold for sex by a neighbor at the neighbor's house. It was not just Jen who was sold for sex. Her younger sister, a male cousin, and a whole group of kids from her hometown of Norristown, Pennsylvania. She and her fellow victims were coerced in participating and keeping it a secret through an elaborate con of gifts and threats. But never went looking for Jen because she was not ever missing. From 3 to 6 p.m., she was forced to have sex with strangers. The trafficking family finally ended when she was about 10 years of age because the neighbor just disappeared. Mr. Speaker, sex slavery happens as parents and grandparents, we need to know where our kids are because monsters that hurt victims must be prosecuted, both the sellers and the buyers, even if they are neighbors. The message is clear. Our children are not for sale. Leave them alone. And that's just the way it is. I'll... Well, wow, man. I mean, I don't, I don't think we understand what's going on. He said this is happening in our own backyards. It takes courage for Congressman Paul, and he's passionate about it. He said, that's just the way it is. What are we going to do about it? He said, our children must be protected. Uh, our women must be protected. This is, again, when you're dealing with children. William, you look out of it. Talk to us. No, I, I mean, I'm just sitting here as a father. You know, you, he just talked about a young girl, eight years old, that was sexually abuse or, or basically in sex traffic trafficking for two years and and it wasn't because it was busted it was because the neighbor left so you realize how much longer would this have went on and they were and it was elaborate scheme he said with gifts and and bribery and then just basically you know force you know don't you better not tell anybody i mean you're listening to this but people don't understand uh you know human trafficking doesn't mean that I guess, you know, an issue like this, it takes a congressman that, like like Mr. Poe, like Congressman Poe, to say, listen, I'm going to champion this because people are not aware of this. I mean, this little girl was at the neighbor's house. She didn't go out of state. She didn't go out of, out of town. If this happened right next door for two years. So, so most people think about human trafficking, like he said. He went to the Ukraine to understand, you know, how people are taken. They're they're kidnapped. They're taken to another country, uh, promised, you know, freedoms and and stuff like that, and then find themselves in the in the slavery. This happened in Pennsylvania, next door. That's the reality, and how sick this issue is. And he's saying th- that's why he championed this. He championed this because he realized in Houston it can happen. It's a border. It's a border city. It's one of the largest cities in the United States. Ports, uh, proximity to to Mexico, everything. But he brought up an instance that happened in Pennsylvania, and I think the thing that stands out to me that's you know that you you look at the geographic 
location of Pennsylvania. It's not like that's near I, – I don't know. It, it seems like that would be in your backyard, my backyard. That's no different than being in Colorado. It's happening here. And I think that's the thing that I'm realizing, and I think that's probably one of the things he's trying to emphasize and get people to understand and bring awareness to this issue, that this is real, and it's happening to the most innocent in our country. Those that look to, to, to adults for safety and for you to provide and for you not to do me harm for love, it's those that are abusing these kids, and they're getting away with it. And that's what's truly sad. No, it really is, and... Um... Congressman Poe made this statement, and you may call it hard line. He's trying to save the children of this nation. Buyers and sellers who force victims to repeatedly sell their bodies should be publicly shamed for all of us to see. Photos of slave traders and buyers that appear on billboards will also deter other would-be criminals. Uh, Cliff, your thoughts on that? That's absolutely right. I mean, they should be shamed if because, like William said, these are the most vulnerable of our society. You don't you don't abuse children. You certainly don't put them out into the into the uh, sex trade and the slave trade and uh, and destroy destroy their life. I mean, a eight year old kid, a eight year old little girl. That is that is insane. But I you know I stand with Congressman Pole. On that to say, yeah, they should be exposed to say if you if this is what you are about and you think this is okay, then the America thinks it's okay to show the world who you are. Well, it is what it is. You you know whether you're on America's most wanted, uh, but again, this goes to the character of Congressman Paul. That if you're shamed enough, he said this would deter would to be other criminals. That are thinking about doing the same thing. That's the point. How do we stop the crime? How do we stop the... And these are not... I went and stole a candy bar from 7-Eleven because I didn't have nothing to eat. These are taking kids. I mean, I can't imagine as a youngster, somebody snatched me up and I didn't see my mom for years. Do you know the confusion, the fear... The mental state of that child that can't even process it. My hat goes off to Congressman Poe uh, in this issue. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing to speak to the issues. What you find in America, people want to criticize Congressman Poe maybe for some of these stands, but America doesn't want to face the truth. When I sit here tonight on this show and talk about. Congressman Paul and the uh, when you tell me an eight-year-old girl was snatched up and for two years she suffered that type of pain. Congressman Paul says, "I'm going to leave the status quo. I'm going to speak to this issue that is very difficult to speak about." And I think what happens, William, as you stated, he's got a William's got you got a daughter. You know, I got sisters. If something like that was to happen. During my childhood, what 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 are we doing? And who will stand and speak against it? Dennis Congressman Poe is doing that. Yes, he is. Yep. I mean, and I mean, he's straightforward, but rightfully so. Uh, in 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 my job uh, with contracting, we have to take a ethics course uh, in reference to trafficking. It's just that big. 
so, you know, when we go abroad or we, we travel abroad or anything like that, I mean, uh, there's a no tolerance uh, uh, attitude in, in, in the DOD uh, about trafficking. I mean, if you if you're even uh, out there buying the youngster or, you know, purchasing the youngster, uh, you, you're go, you're going to jail. Well, how I mean, are you buying that a person? Big? How are you buying a person? Exactly. He said, and the, the uh, Congressman Pope made But it that's clear. what trafficking is. But about. here's what he says. He said, this is slavery. This is slavery. <laughs> it is. You know, it takes us back there. Yes. The worst part is children. Yes. Children. And he addresses that. We're going to get more into that as well. Uh, I'm blown away by Congressman Poe. He spoke about even the food lunch program in some states, and he's made the statement and he calls it nanny state lunches and starving America's kids. And on the research on this, there was not enough food on there. You're like, what is this? So parents are sending their kids to school. Congressman Paul says, wait a minute. You know why we go back? He's got grandchildren. He's got daughters. What are you doing feeding our kids this? Let's hear what he had to say about that. And, uh, We'll be right back to get some comments and dialogue on this one. Mr. Speaker, the federal food police are whipping up their latest batch of distasteful government regulations. With a government fist around an iron spatula, the federal government has come has become the new Mr. Bumble from the book Oliver Twist. The food police have placed unhealthy and illogical regulations on menus for government school lunches across the fruited plain. This is just more unneeded and unnecessary and unwarranted federal government invasion of what school kids eat. The federal government now is trying to raise America's children. In an effort to control and dictate and give children a nanny state society, school lunches have gotten watered down to a skimpy new low. After strict portion control and outlandish so-called nutrition standards, school lunches have become as exciting as detention. The food is unappealing and lacking in nutrition. So what have students done? They have taken their frustrations to Twitter, taking photos of government-dictated school lunches. An Oklahoma school student tweeted a picture of a few chicken nuggets, a half an apple, and a piece of bread complaining, thanks for the lunch. More and more students are catching on, saying sarcastically, I'll be full for days. Thanks for the delicious lunch. Sure was filling. A parent eating lunch with their child at school was stunned after seeing the lunch portion. And here she took a photograph of the lunch. Here it is. And she said correctly, this is sad. Here you have a little condiment package. Here you have a bun with a something. And then you have a half of fruit over on the other side. Isn't this a lovely lunch? If a parent had anything to do with this, the federal government probably would accuse them of child neglect. There is a 350 calorie limit in place for entrees. So that means taking two packets of ketchup or mayonnaise would put the student over the allowed limit. Kids find themselves in an Oliver Twist situation with the workhouse headmaster, Mr. Bumble and having to fearfully ask, more please, sir. And of course, just like in the book, the answer is no. Kids need the energy to learn, to pay attention, and to focus. That energy comes from food. 
The cafeteria takeover by the federal government is leaving students, believe it or not, they're hungry. Wow. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to yield to our fitness expert, Cliff Stewart, of 350 calories. Now, when I was a youngster on recess, we played flag football. We ran up and down that field quite a bit. And you're telling me 350 calories? Yeah, 350 calories. Please, for a kid. I mean, you're talking about a kid playing, like you said, my running up and down on the on the playground. Uh, you got to deal with schoolwork. Uh, I am just trying to figure out <laughs> 350 calories. I mean, it, it, you're sure. You gave me a whole chicken breast and... You know, you give me 350 calories worth of, you know, chicken bread, that's one thing. But a slice of bread, which is all carbohydrates, is going to be gone quickly. Uh, a couple nuggets. And then he said if they take two packs of ketchup or two packets of uh, mayo to put on this slice of bread, so-called meal that they're feeding them, they're over their calorie allocation. 320, 325 calories? You're talking about a couple, a couple candy bars. That that's your lunch. That is, yeah. That that's crazy. I I just, I mean, I don't see how uh, how do the kids even stay up all day with 325? Well, I I think the point is, with Congressman Paul, while we're glad to have him, and Congressman, if you're listening tonight, a speedy recovery, for whatever your issues might be. Congress needs you. I mean, one thing about Congressman Paul, he does not shy away from te- the one he says it's just the way it is. He's telling it just the way it is. And any mother or father would be outraged. And luckily, luckily, and Cliff, had the mother not shown up to eat lunch with her little boy, a little girl, I'm thinking, man, I could have packed a couple of PB&Js. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, had they not showed up, and this is what's tragic. What happens if that if that mother doesn't show up and contact Congressman Paul and say, "I need you to," and you know what, Cliff, you alluded to, it's not just Texas. This is in Oklahoma, and he's fighting on the front lines. What does that say about Congressman Paul, Cliff? Yeah, it shows that he is concerned about. Uh, you know, this issue and other issues going on in the entire country. I mean, sure, it's one thing to say, yeah, you know, we, we want to make sure kids are healthy and, uh, and you know, don't have too many uh, leftover calories, but you're not getting anything left over 325 calories at lunchtime. I mean, if you, if you eat lunch, go run a little bit, play, and then, God forbid, you got your PE class after lunch. You're going home just, uh, you know, famished. So, I mean, yeah, he he definitely, I mean, has a heart to say, look, we need to ensure that our kids have enough nutrition. Yeah, and too much of too much of anything. You know, I'm I'm not one to say, okay, give the kids a two thousand calorie lunch, and and that's not where Congressman Paul's going either. But three hundred twenty five calories for your meal. So you're telling me if you do three meals a day. Your whole calorie intake is 975 calories. That's just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see how that sustains, <laughs> how that sustains the metabolism 
of a of a of a child is 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 not reasonable. Not reasonable at all. Yeah, that's something that uh wow, that's unbelievable. Uh but again, we're happy that Congressman Poe is one that takes the stand and says, you know what? Not on my watch. We're gonna to speak to these issues whether people like it or not. I mean the fact and these are uh these are schools where we believe the future of America lies in those little minds that are learning. Those kids that need to learn and to know and to grow. And there's no reason that a kid sits back in his classroom hungry when he gets home at 3 o'clock or whatever time he gets out of school these days. That's just unacceptable. But the good part, he's addressing that issue. He's dealing with that issue. That speaks volumes for who he is. And uh, what I'd like to do, uh, Dennis, let's talk a little bit more about the Veterans Back to Work Act. Again, it's just not the children, but he's protecting a lot of people. Uh, the fathers of those children. Uh, he deals with an issue, amends the Internal Revenue Code to make permanent the work uh, opportunity tax credit for hiring qualified veterans. Uh, veterans receiving compensation for a service, connected disability, and other federal assistance, and allow employers who hire qualified veterans an exemption from employment and railroad retirement taxes for such veterans' first-year wages. As a veteran, Dennis, how big is that? It's very big. I mean, it helps a lot. When you first get out, I mean, your biggest fear is, especially if you have a family, uh, as a veteran, your biggest fear is how am I going to provide for my family? And, and with a, uh, putting a program in like that or, you know, bringing about uh, something so that, you know, these business these small businesses or any business can can take advantage of it and you know this this tax uh you know credit and so that you know they can have the money they can afford to hire our veterans and i mean that's that's i mean that is huge because again like i said the biggest fear is how am i going to take care of my family who's going to hire me do i have to take you know these low paying jobs but with this initiative i mean you can't beat it and that comes from an expert, ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Merritt, uh, a soldier, if you will, uh, who served this country. Uh, if anybody knows the feelings and the emotions of our veterans, it's you. And we're glad to have you here. Let's hear what Congressman Poe had to say about the failure of the veteran affairs uh, situation. We all know about that Department of Veterans Affairs failures. He attacks that. Let's hear what the congressman had to say. Mr. Speaker, the Veterans Administration failed to contact thousands of veterans who submitted applications for health care. Apparently, those applications were incomplete. But the VA did not tell the vets to correct the applications and resubmit them. So the applications were left pending on a shelf with no action by the VA and no health care for the veterans. Reports state that nearly 300,000 veterans died waiting for a resolution from the VA. Of course, the VA blamed the veterans. This is a farce. The veterans never even received a follow-up call to finish their supposedly incomplete applications. These mistakes are that of the VA, not the veterans. The VA should be ashamed. Government bungling stood in the way of these warriors receiving health care and broke a promise the nation gave to them. The VA's dysfunctional bureaucrats need to be removed. 
And veterans should be allowed to have a voucher that gives them the privilege to go to their own doctors. Doctors that are more concerned about health care than paperwork. Well, what are you going to say when you walk into a room and a warrior is standing there? Tonight we have seen something a little bit unique that Congressman Poe, I'll tell you, he's fighting for veterans. He's fighting for children. He's fighting for women. He's fighting for protection of the country. He's fighting for safety and security. It doesn't get better than that, but yet we have so much material on Congressman Poe. We may have to definitely do a part two in 2017 because the bar continues to rise. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Outside of the break, we're coming back. Conversation continues here on AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Congressman Lloyd Ted Poe. We'll be right back. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost, isolated, ostracized, misjudged, terrified, and in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we We have have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We we can can make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. I've been getting mixed messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women when I have such lousy role models? Boys are never going to approach you. Can you help me reshape my attitudes towards women? You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. 
If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. Did you know that over 1.5 million children in America have parents who are incarcerated? These children cope with the pain through drugs, alcohol, anger, and violence. It is so important. So important. It is so important for communities to provide preventative and intervention services. Don't make them do it alone. Become a part of the community. Community. The community. Become a part of the community. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America, to all of our listeners, United States and around the world. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And I'll tell you what, Dennis William Cliff, uh, this has been a good one. Congressman Lloyd Ted Poe, former judge from Texas, putting the law down. And that's the only description, really, that I can give it, but something that's reassuring uh, for what we have seen in this show, uh, I'll tell you, he, re- he is not afraid to step and fight to any issue that this nation faces. And Dennis, I don't know what level of the scale that reaches for you, but I'll get your thoughts on it. Uh, it reaches high. Uh, anytime we're talking about congressmen and, and we're talking about, well, congressmen and women, but, and we're talking about their true service to the American people. Uh, regardless of whether they're, you know, uh, their constituent or not, and and the willingness to cross uh, party lines to make some things happen, and also uh, to ruffle some feathers. I mean, uh, to say some things that uh, some people might not agree with, but it, it's all about doing the right thing. It's all about uh, taking care, taking care of American people, and uh, you know, just do, doing what you need to do as a representative uh, of the people. Uh, William, William, your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, what we shared tonight is just amazing. I mean, we have a lot of material, and we hadn't even touched it. He has done some really great things. He's truly been a champion. He's picked up a lot of causes that, you know, that really have hit, they hit home. And like you said, you know, we've referred to it several times. Him being a family man, his, up, his upbringing, his foundation, you know, is home. And a lot of the issues that we talked about tonight have dealt with the home and have dealt with, you know, how kids are being treated from, you know, school lunches to, of course, human trafficking. Um, all these things are just, it's just amazing what he's done. Oh, we only touched again only a little bit. Uh, it goes a little bit now. Uh, Congressman Poe addresses the end, to end warrantless surveillance of American Act. Uh, the USA Freedom Act that passed out of the Judiciary Committee uh, was an improvement over current law and a step in the right direction. Uh, and I'm quoting Congressman Paul, but we can do more to protect the Fourth Amendment. In addition to stopping bulk data collection, Congress should also act now to stop warrantless searches under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Uh, Right now, under Section 702, the government is allowed to snoop, spy on the content of a citizen's phone calls, texts, emails, all without a warrant. Failure to address this gaping loophole in FISA 
leaves the constitutional rights of millions of Americans vulnerable and unprotected. The bill also ensures that the federal government does not force uh, companies to enable its spying activities. The NSA has and will continue to violate the constitutional protections guaranteed to every American unless Congress intervenes. Until we fix this and make the law clear, citizens can never be sure that their private conversations are safe from the eyes of the government. I'll tell you what, that is important. William. Well, it is. It's tremendous. I mean, when you talk about the U.S. government spying on people and and the the, uh, distance, I guess the reach of the government, if you don't try to rein that in, you know, you're just letting them out there just stoop on anybody and everyone. And, you know, it has to be dealt with. Well, those were his words. We're going to hear even more right now. Let's see what the congressman had to say. Mr. Speaker, the NSA is using a loophole in the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to spy on Americans without a warrant. Under Section 702 of FISA, government agents may seize information from databases on suspected foreign terrorists. But while seizing the information on these terrorists, NSA also seizes data on Americans without a warrant, data that includes emails, texts, and voice communication. This is an unlawful interpretation of FISA. It was never the intent of Congress that Section 702 would be used to create databases of information that would later be searched for information on American citizens without a search warrant and without that individual's knowledge. I have introduced legislation that would prohibit warrantless searches of government databases for information that pertains to U.S. citizens. The NSA has and will continue to violate the constitutional protections guaranteed to every American unless Congress acts. Until we fix this and make the law clear, citizens will never be sure or safe that their private conversations are secure from the eyes and spies of government. The Bill of Rights cannot be trampled upon in the name of national security, whether the NSA likes it or not. And that's just the way it is. Well, there you have it. Uh, I mean, what do you say about Congressman Pohl? I mean, how do you get – he's everywhere. He's all over the place addressing really in, in a nutshell injustice. He's talking about protecting the American people, and he says – he calls the NSA out. Look, you may be looking for terrorists, but you're not going to violate the rights of Americans in the process. That, that loophole, as he stated – has to be addressed because now we deal with we will start and set a trend that we can't come back from then so if that is not addressed what happens it seems like the constitution continually becomes less important in the american people's lives every single day congressman poe is not putting this and he addresses that issue and he does i mean he he strictly he, he really gets on it and he says that hey uh, we're not going to allow you to, to, to use a loophole. Uh, you, you're talking about, you know, terrorists, but you're, you're actually going, going after American citizens' information, and you're doing it illegally. And he, he's making sure that we are aware, no, that's not going to happen. That's not right. We, Congress did not uh, put that in, FISA in place uh, for uh, the NSA 
to abuse it, and, and he's making sure that's known. Oh, absolutely. Cliff, go ahead. Well, I was going to also say, you know, that this is the way that, uh, you know, they get the the secret, um, you know, search warrants, basically using the Patriot Act as well, that it was never set aside to say, okay, I'm going after the American citizens, not only for, uh, you know, technical information like emails, um, you know, text messages and phone calls, but this basically would would jump right over into other parts of the American exactly right. life. I mean, you get into their financial documentation. Then not only are you looking at their email or stuff that, you know, is out on uh, the uh, – that has a service provider. Then you get like, okay, well, I want a warrant for for getting the traffic that goes into their house from their, their Internet service. And I want to look on their PC. I want to do all these things. So, you know, the next thing is like, okay, well, we don't have a warrant, but – we're bugging your house with right. no warrant. We're just all into your life, your financial records and everything, no subpoenas. And and you see these things that happen, uh, you know, with the Patriot Act being abused. And just like with the Patriot Act, it was never intended for Con- Congress, never intended for, intended for the FBI, CIA, or NSA to use the Patriot Act in that way. And neither they, did they intend it for FISA. And Congressman Paul says it's not going to happen. Well, my watch. Well, tonight, Congressman Paul, if you're listening and standing up, take a bow. AJC Radio salutes you tonight for being a patriot of justice. And I promise, ladies and gentlemen of America, part two of Congressman Paul will be coming in 2017 because we haven't begun to scratch the surface on this man and this legislator and leader on our nation's capital that's doing what he's doing. We salute him and his staff. And perhaps we may have an opportunity uh, to bring Congressman Poe on the show, uh, on the air, and get an interview with him on what he's doing. I believe it, it speaks volumes. And we, again, have not begun to scratch the service. A very special thank you for Congressman Poe and his service to this nation. Right now, you know what time it is to turn our attention to the IRP6. Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. It kicks off right now. A just cause has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Serrigan about the RMP6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. My name is Gary Walker, and I'm serving a sentence of 11 years in the same prison. Just to decide, not only were the six of us all devout members of the same church, there was not a single criminal charge or conviction among any of us until these unbelievable events unfolded. My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of 10 years at the same prison in Colorado. It's fitting that we lived, prayed, and worked together that we should end up dying together, because that is what prison is for us and our families. I am Kendrick Barnes, and I am serving a seven-year sentence at the same prison. Colorado. 
I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions, the name of our company. I testified, and then Gary objected. A Donnybrook broke out because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights had been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said she had not said anything of the kind, and we demanded the transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. Transcript of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced. I am Demetrius Harper, and I'm serving a 10-year sentence at the same prison. And then in June of 2009, four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us. This time, they only called one witness, an FBI agent. And the old adage that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich was proven. This is a production that sets the bar and takes a sincere look at the RP6 story. Judge H. Lee Serrigan, retired federal judge, felt compelled to say something. We will not remain silent to see the full story, the full playwright of the RP6 tragedy. Go to YouTube. Search the race card. You don't want to miss it. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news Every week, you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. 
Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org. Sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. What you didn't know about the IRP-6, we conclude our correction, if you will, on this portion of this incident, rather, with Sam Thurman, a.k.a. Sean Johnson. He's disappeared off of Google. But I'll tell you, he's been out there telling some untruth that AJC Radio and a Just Cause is not going to put up with for one bit. And blatant lies about the IRP-6. Blatant lies about Pastor Banks, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, and he used an alias. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're speaking the truth, why are you using an alias? Except that untruth can be contradicted with words, with your own words. Tonight we take a visit to Sam Thurman in the words he spoke defending the IRP-6, defending Colorado Springs Fellowship Church and Pastor Rose Banks, and speaking in no uncertain terms that the IRP-6 are innocent, which they are. Who are they? Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker, wrongfully convicted, sitting and languishing in federal custody as we speak. We fight for justice for these men who were wrongfully convicted, And we're fighting for justice for them every day, as Sam Thurman did. Let's hear what he had to say in contradiction of the lies that he has told. You know, just for our our listeners who are not familiar with the case, you know, this is a case where the IRP-6 were developing software called Case Investigative Lifecycle Software. They were developing this software for the government, for state, local, and federal law enforcement agencies. The company was raided in 2005 under a false allegation that they were doing something illegal. What we're talking about, this is a case of of, uh, corporate debt. Now, one of the things also that happened, and, you know, Pastor Banks talked about uh, several of of the, uh, how would I say, inappropriate actions that the government took in in dealing with the church. First of all, before before the IRS was even supposed to, uh, obtain any type of banking records, there's a protocol that they have to follow. And they totally went against that protocol. There is uh, internal revenue code that they're supposed to abide by. One specifically is IRC 7611. And that is when the IRS is supposed to give official written notice of an inquiry or an audit. Then the church has an opportunity to reply and then if, 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 uh, if they don't come to a meeting of the minds, there's supposed to be this back and forth dialogue. The government, the IRS, is not supposed to just be able to go into someone's banking records, uh, especially a church, without some sort of notice. Talk about um, my church and, and my pastor. Um, and I think Pastor Rose Banks actually made the point very clear mm-hmm. when she was on the air uh, on, the, on the two previous programs that they were trying to somehow, for whatever reason, make some connection from a money laundering perspective right. between the church and IRP Solutions. 
Now, when you look at the legal definition of what money laundering is, it's like ill-gotten gain, so to speak, and illegally uh, money that's gained illegally placed into a launderer's hands. Secondly, the launderer passes the money through a complex scheme of transactions to obscure the, in where, the, where the money actually started. And then third, the scheme returns the money to the launderer in an obscure, obscure and indirect way. And the thing is, no money went through anybody's hands in any of these transactions. Absolutely. The staffing agencies paid their own employees. And- right. And, and so when you look at that, a church that has an excellent record, and Lamont, you've, you've shared this previously, a church that has an excellent record, a pastor who has an excellent record, for community involvement, reaching out, helping the needy, helping the poor, yeah. preaching the gospel, and, and, and that type of thing. And, and when you go and you try and use something that is meant for, uh, Ill, uh, for, for terrorists and point it to the church, you got to be kidding. So how can the government go forward with something that was based off of lies? And you can't do that. Yet they did it, and Judge Arguello allowed them to get away with it. Uh, before the break, we talked about how the IRP-6 were wrongfully convicted and have now been in federal prison for nearly three years. And a just cause continues to fight for uh, these men because of the fact that they did nothing wrong. Well, you heard it. Let me quote Mr. Thurman. They did nothing wrong. His own words arrest him. And I'll tell you right now, we sent a warning to all those that want to attack the IRP-6 with lies. We have lived and walked on this journey and know very clearly the innocence of these men. Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Gary Walker. Some of them are fathers, brothers. They are people that have suffered an, a huge injustice. I'm going to ask you to go out to change.org, sign the petition, search IRP6, and also we're going to give you an invitation to go to YouTube and look at the, the uh, writing, uh, at an actual dramatization by retired federal judge H. Lee Sarakin that felt a need and felt compelled to get the word out of what happened to these men. Go to YouTube, search the race card face up. And you can see that in its, in its entirety. Uh, we played a little brief clip tonight to give you a little bit of an indication. The battle for justice will not cease. We will continue to seek for justice, seek justice rather, for these men. Uh, and again, we ask you to keep their families in your prayers and your thoughts as we continue to seek justice. A very special thanks to Congressman Ted Pohl, a giant that occupies a seat in our nation's capital. Thank you for your service to America and to this great nation. Till next time, America, good night. Mr. Speaker, Coptic the largest religious minority in Egypt and the largest Christian community in the Middle East are constantly persecuted. In 2011, Ayman Nubil Labib went to school like he did every day. Ayman, like most Coptic Christians in Egypt, had a cross tattooed 
on his wrist as a sign of his Christian faith. When he got to school, Ayman's Arabic language teacher asked him to cover the tattoo. Instead, Ayman pulled a cross from underneath his shirt and left it hanging around his neck. The teacher became enraged. He choked Ayman and asked Ayman's Muslim classmates, what are you going to do with him? Then his classmates beat him to death to silence his faith. Ayman was murdered because he was a Christian. Religious freedom is a basic, sacred, and universal human right. Alexander Hamilton said in 1775, the sacred rights of mankind are written as with a sunbeam in the whole volume of human nature by the hand of divinity itself and can never be erased or obscured by mortal power. And that's just the way it is. Mr. Speaker, the United States is very quick to criticize other nations for human rights abuses, especially when those abuses are caused by former foreign government employees. But while the U.S. is crusading against human rights abuses in other parts of the world, it should not ignore human rights abuses here in America. Allegations are coming to light that government employees of the Office of Refugee Resettlement sexually immigrant minors that are detained in federal custody. According to Houston Chronicle, over a hundred incidents have been reported where U.S. federal workers had improper sexual contact with foreign minors. That includes everything from inappropriate touching to forced sex with children. Some minors were threatened with deportation if they ever told the authorities. The reports also show that not one worker has been held accountable or prosecuted for such criminal conduct. If crimes have been committed, these criminals need to be locked up in the jailhouse. The United States cannot be the world leader for human rights when employees of our own government sexually abuse foreign minor children on American soil. And that's just the way it is.